Welcome to Freedom Decoded. My name is Darian Bentley. This is my wife, Carrie. We ditched the nine to five, moved abroad, and today we're living a life that's better than we ever could have imagined. Professionally, we help people get organized so they can create some freedom in their life. This podcast is a way for us to let down our hair and explore concepts in a little bit more informal setting. You can check out more about us at www.lifehackmethod.com. Let's get into it. Today, we're going to talk about mini retirements. What is a mini retirement and should you take one and could you even take one this year? Within the next year, could you be in retirement? Show note really quickly, there's construction going on outside of our house and there's a baby uh, in this house because we are recording out of our home office. So if you are listening to this podcast and thinking, by God, I could swear there's like a dump truck backing up in the background or a baby screaming. Don't worry, you're not crazy. It's probably coming from our side. So that's just how life is today in the post-pandemic world. So let's get to it and talk about mini retirements. Well, first of all, I guess we should just lay our cards on the table. We're going to take one this year. Yeah. So we are going to take a full four weeks off of our business, which is super exciting. Um, Something we've been wanting to do for a while. We used to do these pretty regularly, but uh, we haven't since the pandemic started. It just seemed sort of pointless. Like, what were, what were we going to do? Like, sit around the house the whole time and not <laughs> Four work? Four weeks at home. Right. It's like, great. Uh, so, yeah. So, now that we are sort of post-pandemic, at least for all intents and purposes, uh, I know that's not everybody right now. So, um, my sympathies if you are still in the throes. And maybe we will go back to that, too. We don't know. But we're going to strike while the iron is hot. And we have planned a trip to uh, Paris for four weeks later this year. Okay, out of curiosity, I'm sure somebody's wondering, why Paris? Paris is my dream city. I've always wanted to live there. And since we are nomadic and we have our own business, uh, I feel like it is time that we just like bite the bullet and go for it. Okay, that was the crappiest retelling because you did not give me credit for being the instigator of this. That's true. Tell I, it the way it happened. I definitely Because then at least as a husband, I'll get well, like it was an iota of credit. I mean, you got to understand, I have been nagging Demir for like years to go to Paris. And he doesn't really love <gasps> you Paris. Are killing me with this story. Okay, what? keep going. Keep going. Fine. I guess I'm not telling it right. Whatever. Well, you're, the whole setup is. I've been wanting to go to Paris and Demir has been saying no. That is not what happened. What happened is I walked in. I I saw you reading your book on Paris. I have a book on Paris, first of all. I saw you reading your book on Paris and I walked in here and I was like, you know what? If we don't change something, we're not going to do any big adventures this year. And I walked into the other room and I said, I've decided something and there's no going back. And you're like, what? And I was like, we're going to go to Paris for a month this year. And you were so happy. And somehow, through the contortions of <laughs> your brain. I was going to get to that part. I was literally going to make you the whole hero of the whole story. But you just couldn't wait. You just I'm didn't just have enough sizzling. patience. You didn't have enough patience. No, it was seriously like that. Because, like, you know, we want to go to places that, like, both of us are really excited about. And there are tons of places like that in the world. And so we sort of did a lot of other uh, of those trips. Um, but then, yeah, seriously, like, I... I I don't know. I bought this book on Paris. Like that's how much I want to go. Like I spend my free time reading books about it. So and then I, I didn't really think we were going to go. I just thought I would like live vicariously through this <laughs> book. Fantasy. And so then, yeah, I literally, I, Demir walked into the room and was like, I've decided that we're going to go to Paris. And he was so excited, which made me feel like very, very, very excited. Like even more excited than I would have been. Um, and yeah, like he, he kept, tr- he kept true to it. 
We're going. We're going. Um, I mean, you know, listen, let's not get pulled into all the disclaimers that we can put on this trip. I mean, it's 2021. The pandemic is not beat. You know, like we've got all the we've got one strain right now that seems really dangerous. There could be who knows how many other strains it could be more dangerous. There's a million different ways that this doesn't happen totally. this year. But I think what's important is that we're getting committed. Yeah. We don't know all the details. We don't know how everything's going to pan out. We don't know. There's so much we don't know, but we're still getting out there and getting committed. I think this takes me back a little bit, Carrie, to like our core value that we share that really is like, I think, embedded in the DNA of Lifehack, which is that you and I have both lost people when we were young, yeah. who were young. And I think when you do lose somebody young early in your life, I think it imprints you with this idea that, yo, you could get, you could get your ticket punched any moment. Yeah. And I think we, we tend to fall victim to this idea of like, oh, not this year, but next year. Right. When blah, blah, blah happens then. Yeah. Well, well, let's finish this thing or let's get this done and then we'll go. Oh, when Gigi's older, it would be better and more culturally enriching. Yeah. And I think we both tend to share this thing of like, no, now. Yeah. And uh, like, we're excited about it now. Like we should just go and commit to it now. Cause like next year, maybe like something happens and we're not able to go or we don't want to go anymore or whatever. And that happens. That where happens you're all like, the time. Well, for a couple of years, I was really obsessed with Paris. And I don't know. I just stopped. It just passed. The yeah. feeling passed. Yeah. Um, talk to me about how that relates to many retirements. Yes. So basically many retirements are where you take retirement, but when you're like young and still in the workforce <laughs> and therefore when you could still enjoy it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, you can enjoy it when later too, but you know, you can enjoy it now. There, the future doesn't have a guarantee attached to it. Yeah. So you're actually de-risking your retirement experience mm. by taking retirement early and making it like mini. Of course it has to be mini because like you still have to make money and do work, but you can you can carve out these chunks of time where instead of it being a vacation where you're just recharging, you're actually like doing something completely different with your life. Yeah. In a retirement sort of fashion, like you know how retirees take on new hobbies and passions and stuff. Like you're doing that. Like you're not going on vacation. You're like choosing something else to do for a while. And I think this idea of categories is hard because we're we were talking about this before the podcast so much is changing now. It was going to change before the pandemic and the pandemic just made it feel like it was light speed accelerated. One of the things that's changing is that we don't really have good definitions for some of the new things that are coming into our life. Like, for example, workcation, right? When we first started our digital nomad journey, we had some friends who were further along the, than us yeah. who took us to the side and said, you need to create a new category in your life. And that new category is workcation. Right now, you only think about work or vacation. And now you need to create this third category, which is like, hey, I'm normally when you travel to a distant land, you get to just sort of like throw off any responsibilities and just spend all day exploring. You can't do that when you're working remotely, right? So you yeah. need to create a new category. I feel like mini retirement is a completely new category that we need to create totally. in our brain. Yeah. Like it is not retirement. You still you still have responsibilities. You know, you still probably need to check your email at least once in a while to make sure nothing's blowing up, right? I mean, it, it's a different category and yet um, it's also not vacation. Right. Right. You're not just, I think you said this earlier, vacation is sort of like in and out. 
like done. You're almost in a rush. There's almost this feeling of, I've got to get it all in. And whenever we take mini retirements, there's a leisureliness to it that, that has a lot more to do with retirement than vacation. Cause frankly, vacations can, can be so stressful. Yeah. Yeah. This is not about like, we're not going to like be going to every single one of the tourist traps. I mean, we are going to go to some because like, hello, Paris. Yeah. But it's not going to be the point of it. Like the point is to go and live there and like see what it's like to live there. And like in preparation, we get to learn some French. Um, and then we, when we go, we get to like eat all this amazing food and it's going to be cold, which is so different for us and so novel since we live in Medellin. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm like buying sweaters and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's about that experience of like just taking yourself and putting yourself somewhere, somewhere different. It's not about vacation. I love it. Let's get down to brass tacks. The number one thing that we hear with people is great for you, Carrie and Demir, but I couldn't do that. Right. I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. You have created this like special little uh, niche that you can live in, but the rest of us have to suffer and we can't do this. And I reject that wholeheartedly. I'm not saying there's nobody in the world who couldn't do that. There are careers, there are circumstances where people couldn't. But I think the pandemic has opened the door um, and given uh, how to shed light on the idea that like for a lot of people, whatever remaining excuses they had to not being able to travel and take many vacations has been removed. Right. And I think it's fine if you don't want to. I think a lot of people say they can't, but what they mean is they don't want to enough. Give me an example. So for example, like if you have somebody who has a, like a dog and we have a dog, like we get it. They're like, well, I couldn't, I couldn't leave my dog. I mean, like the, you know, the, the care options for dogs in my area are like horrible. I just couldn't do that to my dog. It's like, Oh, you mean that you don't want to do that to you? dog because you could you could make that choice and then you could get on that plane or you could figure out a different possibility like i don't know your dog could be taken care of by somebody else like a friend for like a little while or you could take your dog it doesn't matter but the point is like people often say they can't do something and what they should say is they don't want to i'm not willing to i don't want to to i don't want to deal with the stress of it exactly and i think that language is important because when you say you can't it's like some external force is physically preventing you from doing something. But when you say that you don't want to, it reminds your brain that you are still in control of your circumstances and choosing and you're choosing and that's fine. Whatever you choose. Well, and let me prove it to you right now. 99% of the people who are listening right now are like, Oh, good for them, but they don't realize my circumstances. I would just, I would throw out this. If somebody walked into your house and put a gun to the head of the person you value the most and said, you need to figure out how to take a month off in Paris, or I'm going to shoot this person right now, all of a sudden a whole new world of options would open up and and, uh, you would instantly get reprioritized and you'd say, you know what? The dog can handle staying with my neighbor for a month. I think they could handle. So, so can't is such a strong word. It closes the door on even entertaining the possibility. I like to live in the world of, Hey, everything's possible. If you put a gun to my head, right? If you put a gun to my head, Anything could be possible. And then it's just a question of how motivated am I, right? Because a lot of people say, Demir, that's such a morbid analogy, right. putting a gun to your head. That, yeah, and that's I would like just the, say, the stick of the analogy. But you could also have the opposite, which is like the carrot of yeah, that same like, analogy. If, if the reward was big enough, you would motivate yourself to do it. And all, all I say is that just represents 100% motivated. If you put a gun to the head of somebody that I love the most, you would see the most motivated version, the most stimulated version of Demir to get this 
problem solved, right? So, so I think that actually leads into maybe the first thing that we talk about with mini retirement, which is step one is get massively committed. When I say committed, I think you and I share this. I think most people use the word committed incorrectly. Yeah, they say they just use it as like, well, I'm telling you I'm committed, so therefore I'm committed. <laughs> like, like I said I'm committed, therefore I'm committed. And But most people know that if somebody says they're going to come to your birthday party, there's like a 50% chance they're going to come. If you live in LA, that's like, that goes down to like a 30%, <laughs> like 20% chance. chance. <laughs> so, so, so first of all, let's be clear that saying that you're committed is one of the least committed ways of doing anything, right? So when we say committed, often we mean by getting out there and you know, creating a scenario where if it doesn't happen, there's actually negative consequences, right? And that could exist in so many different ways. For Carrie and I, with the Paris thing, we have booked our Airbnb and we have booked our flights. And if something doesn't happen, we are going to lose that money. That puts us in a highly motivated place to say, to try to preserve that money. So even if something happens in the future, that makes it harder for us to go to Paris, we're more inclined to overcome those obstacles because we are committed financially. Exactly. Yep. Um, so for example, um, you could feel like right now, like, okay, well, I'm, you know, part of my job is processing 200 emails a day. How the heck am I supposed to get away from that? Like how, how am I going to be able to take a mini retirement, um, and also process those emails? It's like the first step is just deciding that like, you're going to figure it out. basically deciding and and putting money on the preferably line. Yeah, like preferably. put something on the line it doesn't even have to be money so one of the things that you could do is also make a declaration right to people that you care about where you would lose face if you know so when right now if you don't realize it carrie and i are making a declaration that we're going to go to paris for a month guess what happens if we don't go i can promise you I know it seems like people should have better things to do with their time, but I promise you, if we don't go to Paris this year, I'm going to hear about it. Right. I'm going to hear about people and be like, well, Tamir said he was going to go to Paris, but right. he didn't end up going. Right. So, so oh, not no, only- it's happening. I mean, I, be- and the thing is also going along with that sort of like believing in your heart of hearts. Like it wasn't until I booked the Airbnb that I was like, this is happening. Yes. So you got to do whatever you got to do in order to get to that place where you're like, no, like this is actually happening. Yeah, and and once in a blue moon, you can get that, like, no going back, close the back doors, the only way out is through feeling without putting anything on the line. It happens, but it's pretty rare. Yeah, and I mean, I will also say that, like, we declared this and it's coming up pretty fast, but we actually started planning for it about a year ago in our our annual pre-planning. Yes. And so this has been sort of a culmination of a lot of preparation we've done, including like rearranging our work schedules in a certain way. That well, we'll let, get into that. Let, let's get into that in a second. But I just want to close by saying, you might be out there saying, well, if step one is just getting committed. But, but here's the thing. What I see is when people are halfway committed or have two feet out the door instead of in the door, what they have this way of overcomplicating the thing and just throwing more obstacles, yeah. right? So for example, with your analogy of like, well, I, I get 200 emails a day. How could I possibly take a mini retirement for one month if I've got a steady stream of 200 emails a day? Well, I can tell you the first thing that you need to do is get massively committed because if you don't, what's gonna happen is you're only seeing the problems and you're not seeing the solution. Right. When you get massively committed to something you're really excited about, you start seeing solutions instead of problems. Right. And so it puts you in the right frame of mind. 
again, show note, if you're hearing a beeping in the, in the background, that's not your imagination. That's coming from our side. So you don't have to look around you and wonder where that's coming from. Okay. So I, what would step two be, Carrie? Yes. Yeah, so another, uh, the second step would be to basically clear space in your calendar for mm-hmm. that to happen. So that means just really taking a look at your calendar and making sure that there's no gigantic new things happening during that time. And this is sort of where our annual planning um, takes effect because normally we have all sorts of trainings we're doing, running boot camps, running like offerings. So over a year ago, we actually looked down and we were like, okay, well, we need to make sure that there's these big chunks of time during our year where we have the opportunity to go somewhere. We didn't know where at that, at that point. We didn't know if it was even gonna happen. We didn't know anything, but we just cleared the space so far in advance that now it's much easier for us to defend that. Yeah, I mean, let's be very clear, like, there is no perfect time to take a month off. Of no, work. never. So, never. so we are not saying that. We're not saying, oh, just look in your calendar and find that free month that you have. Oh no! But gosh. there's always a more clear and a less clear time. Everybody has seasonality. I can tell you seasonality right now. December, nobody does jack. <laughs> Right, like you could say to yourself, oh, I've got really important work that my clients need me to do in December, but I can tell you everybody is checked out from December 1st to December 30th. So there's always going to be some kind of seasonality where you can say, okay, this is there's no perfect time, but this there are less and more perfect times yeah. to do this. Um, and Carrie makes a really good point about pre-planning um, because if you're going to tell your clients that you're taking a month off, don't you think it's a lot better to, to say, I'm taking a month off next year, rather than saying, I'm going to take a month off next month? Oh, yes. Yeah, way better. Yeah. Everyone, if it's next year, everyone's going to be like, good for you. That's so awesome. If it's next month, you're going to throw people into a panic. They're going to be like, no, or they're going to feel like, how dare they spring this on me, right? right? So at the end of the day, this goes back to pre-planning. I mean, this really just reinforces the idea of but not just pre-planning your week or your month, but y- this is where yearly pre-planning really comes into effect because when you can get out a year ahead of something, you can really make it happen, make incredible things happen that you never thought that you could. Right. Um, now, more tactically, obviously, um, y- you also need to get on offense. So for example, if I told my clients a year ahead of time, hey, I'm going to take a sabbatical for a month, I uh, just want to let you know, I would also then follow up you know, maybe two or one and a half months out and say, hey, remember that I'm going to take a sabbatical. Um, It's coming up in about two months here. So let's just make sure we clear out X, Y, and Z um, and you'll be amply taken care of by my associate, Greg or Alice or whatever it might be. Definitely. That's what I call getting on offense. Like get out there, make sure that no one has the ability to come back and say, well, I didn't know Tamir was out of office. That really means making a list of the 70 people who you probably need to reach out to and be proactive and say, hey, just making sure that you know, can you please acknowledge that I'll be out of the office and, you know, we need to get things taken care of. And that's where having an autoresponder also comes really in handy. Mm -hmm. Because when you are actually out of the office, you don't want to just like pretend like you're not. You want to let people know in a very proactive way. So the second they send you an email, they get an email back that says like, hey, I'm on a sabbatical, please resend this next month or please reach out to this other person instead. That sort of like just giving them lanes where they can move over to really helps rather than Mm -hmm. them sending an email then being like, why is this person not getting back to me? You know, I feel like we're finally, I'd love to think it was just us, but I feel like 
us and other productivity coaches are finally getting through to people. Because I remember about three years ago when I suggested people use autoresponders more aggressively, the response was just so like, I could never do that. And now I don't get that response as much. And I'm seeing when I email people, I'm getting a lot of their autoresponders, right? And, and the thing about an autoresponder is it doesn't have to be black and white, as Carrie said. It doesn't have to be like, I'm not in the office, so go screw yourself. Often a great autoresponder, as Carrie said, gives you lanes, meaning if this is a media inquiry, you can contact Katie. If this is an issue around orders, please contact Brian. If this is an emergency, there is a way to reach me. Even though I'm on sabbatical, you can still reach me. Reach me in this way if it's really, really an emergency. That's what we call giving people lanes, where instead of just saying stop, you are, you know, you shall not pass, you're actually giving them an opportunity to get what they need from you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, I mean, I mean, I guess like the one thing I wanted to talk about there too is we you actually have something in your you have a permanent autoresponder. Yeah. It's like an evergreen autoresponder where it says if it's like an emergency to resend the email with the word emergency in it. Yeah. And I don't think maybe in the last year you've gotten a single emergency. Isn't that funny? There is a way for any one of my clients or anybody in the world to get an instant response from me, and all they have to do is simply hit reply on the email they sent originally and, and put the word emergency in the title. And in one year, I have not gotten one email with the word emergency. And it just goes to show you that like, you can create lanes even if you're on sabbatical. You can be on quote unquote mini retirement in Tuscany or wherever you wanna go. And you can literally give people your Italian phone number and say, if this is an emergency, you know, then, then, then text me on this number and put the word emergency. The funny thing about this psychologically is people feel really foolish yeah. writing the word emergency in a text or an email if it's not actually an emergency. Yeah. And so there, I can tell you, even though I've received zero emails, I'll bet people have started writing an email and halfway into the word emergency, they think, this God, is not is really, really an emergency. <laughs> Do I really want to be out there having written this email with the word emergency on it? when it's really not clearly an emergency. So step two is really about creating that space in your calendar and thinking ahead in terms of setting expectations for everybody that you're gonna be out of the office. And step number three is to actually create the systems, the SOPs, standard operating procedures, so that somebody else can cover for you without it being this huge mess. <laughs> Just look at it as an opportunity to do something you already should have done. I mean, exactly. you... I know this is what people avoid. This is, is the part that people avoid. This is where the rubber meets the road. But in a weird way, this is what you should throw yourself into. This is what you should be so excited about. Because not only is this going to empower you to take your mini retirement, it means when you come back from mini retirement, your job's going to be easier. Right. It's, it's going to be easier, easier. I think people also bite off too much here, too fast. Like When we say SOPs, they should be around small things to start out with. Like say you want to offload, you manage, say you manage all your billing for your yeah. company and to offload that, you just think like, oh my gosh, like there's so much that goes into that. There's so many possible scenarios. How am I ever going to do it? It's like, well, just pick the smallest possible scenario and write the SOP for that first Yeah. and then pick the next one and then pick the next one. And pretty soon you'll have them all done, but don't try to do it all at once because then that's going to be too hard. I mean, there's... There's so many different approaches. I think your approach that you just suggested is probably best for the majority of people. But I, I'm a systems thinker, and I like to just sit down and say, 
almost like a challenge, almost like a problem. Like, okay, well, what are the essentials of of my job? And what you'll usually find is that every job is really four or five jobs. Most yeah. jobs these days, if we're really honest, it's not just you have one title, but you really have four or five roles or, or critical um, outcomes that you make sure happen. And so I think it's a good opportunity also to just step back and be like, okay, I'm coach Demir. I do the coaching. I film the videos. I run the live calls, right? So to just say like, okay, here's the different roles. And then here's almost just like bullets, just like little bullets on the paper. Like these are the four or five things that have to happen for the live calls to go forward. These are the four or five th things that happen for the bootcamp sales to go forward, right? And, and, and start to just from the top down, you're not going to get it all, but you don't, that's the great part. You don't have to get it at all. Right. 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 Just get the, you know, it's the 80, 20 rule in action. Really 20% of what you do is 80% of the value of your role. But so just it, get it that has 20. To be, it has to be connected directly to an outcome. Like I've had a lot of people sort of start with the SOPs by sort of like, I don't know, like giving a brain dump, but like about their company and like their values yeah. as a company. It's like, that's never helpful for anybody else who's doing your tasks. Yeah. They need to know exactly how you want something done. Yeah. Bottom They're, up, not yeah, top down. Exactly. It's so unhelpful to do this top down. And then people are like, why aren't my, why aren't my employees reading between the lines? They like don't I seem need, to get I it. need a self starter. It's like, yeah, well you need to give better instructions yes. to these people. Like the information's in your brain. And when you talk about it, like philosophically, that's never helpful. It's much better if you talk about it in like the way that you actually do things. But also like, Really, the top ten percent of what you do can never be outsourced. Exactly. Like, right? keep on, keep hold of that. Like, that doesn't matter. So, don't even try. Don't try to. Ex don't try to duplicate yourself. Start from the bottom instead of the top. Right. Start from the the easy stuff. Easy so things. Let's go back to the analogy, right? So, it's actually ripped from the from one of our clients who said this. They said, "But Demir and Carrie, like, I've got two hundred emails a day hitting yeah. my inbox. How am I going to take a mini retirement if for thirty days I'm getting two hundred emails a day, and then I'm going to come back and have that kind of quantity of emails? And what you really want to do is you want to just actually take it from the bottom. What's the easiest fruit to take off this tree? I can promise you." Those two, you do not get 200 important emails a day. Right. Right. And now I get it that it makes you really afraid to get 200 emails a day, but I, I'm going to lay down a thousand bucks right now that if I go into that person's email, there's at least one stupid newsletter oh, that yeah. should not be in there. So why don't we start by maybe pulling that out of it? Right. Not ours, of course. We would yeah, never not pull ours. Not the life hack method emails. <laughs> but, but, but even for example, here's another thing with SOPs. Every person has about nine reasons they get email. This is my theory, mm. but I keep I keep seeing it reinforced. I that, think it's like three. If but... you if you took somebody's inbox, it really boils down to nine avatar problems that you keep solving over and over and over and over again for people outside and inside of your company. And so the first thing is to say, okay, well let's start creating some template emails so that when I'm away, instead of Chris, the guy who's covering me, having to reach out to me every single time he gets it, I can say, Chris. There's nine reasons, more or less, that people reach out to me. Nine main reasons. And each of those reasons, I've created these template emails. And so if you think, if somebody reaches out to me for, for reason number one, you can just send them this template email and say, hey, if this didn't solve your problem, then get back to me. Yeah. So, and, and for those of you, you're not pretending that you're not on vacation. It can sound like, hey, this is Brian. 
I'm covering for Demir. Uh, Demir gets this question a lot. And so I'm gonna send you a response that Demir has. Um, see if this answers your question. And if not, please be sure to get back to me and I'll be sure to reach Brian on, or reach Demir on vacation, okay? That's gonna eliminate 90% because the truth is that most people are in the center of the lane. They're just asking the same questions over and over again. Right, yep, totally. I mean, I, th I, I think that you know, you'll see that people are either asking you for things, like things they want you to do. They're um, asking you questions about something they're doing. They need a response about a question. That's great for SOPs and email templates, yeah. like you just said. Or it's like an FYI email that doesn't even need a response. Yeah. And that I would say is like 90% of emails people get are just FYIs that you're CC'd on them. Might be good to keep informed, maybe not. Like maybe it's a newsletter and you don't need to read it at all. And so then that's the sort of thing that like your email person who's going to be covering for you doesn't even need to process. SOPs are great for managers because they reduce man risks. And that means that if you lose somebody suddenly, you're not going to freak out that they're taking all that information. But for employees, it's so great because it means that you can take a vacation and not be sweating bullets yeah. thinking, oh, any moment they're going to call me, things are going to blow up. When you've got, there is a reason for you as a you know, employee in a company to SOP every single thing in your job. Why? Because then you can take that month-long vacation. And if somebody reaches out to you, you can just really quickly say, you know, I created an SOP for this. Here it is. Bye. Go away. Yeah. Right? I mean, and and it's, it's such a huge benefit. I can't say it enough. <laughs> okay. Um, now, step number four um, is take this opportunity to redesign your workflow so that a lot of things aren't necessary. Right. You're going to have to take this as an article of faith, but it is 100% true that any person who takes a job that they do and thinks, okay, I need to now simplify this and rationalize it such that Carrie can do this job for me when I'm gone and I won't be around to answer any questions. In the process of doing so, you will find out for some of those tasks that you can either eliminate huge parts of the task Meaning you can take a 30 step process and be like, oh, wait a minute, I've never really looked at this, but let's make it a 10 step process. Like 20 of these steps can actually be removed. You might even find that you can remove the entire thing. That yeah. the entire, not that it wasn't necessary, but that you can do it in a better way. And the, the way I like to think about that is when you're going through something, think about like how someone else could potentially mess it up, mm. right? Cause like you do the mental gymnastics of like, making quick decisions in your head because you just have so much knowledge about your business and how you want things to work. But if you're like, if I was somebody else, like for example, instead of creating two graphics, could I make it such that I could just create one, but use it in two places? Yes. Like little things like that, that just help de-risk that particular process and make it less likely that someone else is going to mess it up. I love that you said de-risk. That's so true. So we have this term called TACO. TACO is an acronym that stands for terminate, automate, consolidate and outsource. And it's actually in that order. Yeah. So when, whenever somebody says to me, hey, Demir, I want to take a mini vacation. How would I do it? I would say, you need to taco this. So in order, the first thing you need to do is look at everything that you've got and say, what can I terminate? And often people are very binary, like, well, I can't get rid of that step. Okay, but can you get rid of a part of that step, exactly. right? And, yeah. and so that's where people get too extreme about this, where they're like, well, uh, if I can't eliminate the whole thing, then I can't eliminate. It's like, no, that's that whole step in your workflow 
has 30 different steps. Could you take it from 30 and make, maybe take it down to 15, yeah. right? Like lean it down because the more that you can do it, it means that it's easier for somebody else to do it on your behalf. And that means that they're less likely to get confused or overwhelmed or get it wrong. And I can tell you the number one place to look for those like terminates or consolidation ones is to start using templates for stuff. Oh. Yeah. So like a lot of the things that you're doing right now, you'll find that like you're, I don't know, writing something out um, and you're writing it from memory every time. If you just think of like, hey, wouldn't it be great if someone else could just copy and paste this when they're doing it? That way it's worded exactly the way you want it. And there's not going to be any mistakes. Like templates are the best. So you just got into the second one, which is automate. Right. right. So terminate would be like, let's use our email analogy. You've got 200 emails a day and you're thinking, how am I going to go on a mini vacation or mini retirement if I can mini vacation? How mini am I going to go on a mini retirement if I can't f- do something with these 200 emails a day? The first step would be to go through the inbox and, and start unsubscribing from all the emails and newsletters you don't need to be on. Or here's another one. Have certain certain Filters. ones skip your inbox right, and go to a particular folder. Exactly. So that when somebody is checking your email on your behalf, instead of getting for asking them to check 200, they're getting 50. They're getting 30. And that's an example of automate because it's happening. That's terminate. Terminate would be when you're unsubscribing from all of the subscriptions. And then automate would be when things are automatically getting filtered into different folders. Well, you also give a great automate in that you can create email templates. So another automate is like, okay, great. So here's these templates, these, or even an autoresponder is a great automate because it means that, you know, if you yes. have an autoresponder that says, Hey, um, I'm not, I'm not in for the next month. Um, your question is probably going to be on my FAQ page. So if you want to check in my FAQ page, do that right here. That's a great automate to just deflect people and, and allow them to self-serve. Right. Then of course there's consolidate. Consolidate. Yes. So consolidation, I I think of it for us in particular, as we prep for Paris is there are certain things that we have to do ourselves because we're service providers. We don't sell a product. We sell a service. Yeah. And that means we have to be present coaching. So a lot of those things are like recording videos, recording trainings. So I want, what I want to do is consolidate those to either happen before the trip or after the trip Yeah. and get them sort of like batched in such a way that I can either get them done first, which would be preferable, or delay them so that I can do that when I return. So I can promise you that you guys might not even notice that we're going to be gone because you'll still be getting your emails. We'll still be posting YouTube videos. Why? Because we consolidated our filming days, did a little bit ahead of time, and we're going to be able to just keep dripping that that out. I think if you really apply yourself to this taco concept, then what you're going to realize is when you come back, Having tacoed all of your core responsibilities, not only will you have been able to take a mini retirement, you're going to come back and you're going to be like, whoa, my job feels like a hundred times easier because I terminated. Here's the thing. We always grow fat in our roles, in our workflow. Yeah. Right. We always accrue steps and and processes that maybe don't service at the highest level, but, but it's fine. It's fine. That happens. It's natural, but you need to have moments where you go in and you cut away the fat. Mm-hmm. And so t- a mini retirement is not just a great thing for you. It's also a great opportunity and a catalyst for you to taco your role and go, what can I terminate? What can I automate? What can I consolidate? What can I outsource such that when you come back, you actually come back to a better role. Exactly. It's going to be amazing. It's like, yeah, it's going to benefit you long into the future. And step number five is putting it to the test. 
So what I love to do is design in sort of like stress tests. So rather than just saying like, well, I hope everything goes well while I'm gone, actually doing some practice runs beforehand. So for example, we recently took a trip to California for just a couple weeks. So instead of it being a month long, taking two weeks off is much, much easier than taking a whole month off. And that gave us the opportunity to sort of first recognize what we were still missing, like where the gaps were, Mm -hmm. um, but also just to like test it and see if it even worked at all. You know, I think people get this like what I call crystal castle syndrome. And the crystal castles, they want to build this beauty. They just have it all in their mind and it's so perfect. And then I'll take an action. Right. The problem with that is you build this beautiful concept in your mind and then life happens. And just one thing changes and the whole castle comes falling down. I'm over that. I used to do that. I I used to be the worst at that. And I'm overdoing that. I'm the kind of person who's like, how can I beat the hell out of this thing today? How can I take an action this week? How can I get this thing bloody and muddy so that I can see if it's really going to work? So a good way to think about this is doing a series of incremental small tasks. So when people come tell me, Demir, my, my, my big goal is to automate my business so that I can be sitting on the beach with a computer and everything is like running itself. I always say, okay, well, let's just take one day out of your business. Like one, can you, can you even leave your business for one day? And people often say, oh God, like this would happen. I'm like, would it really happen? Right. Would it really ha- like? I think we make a mountain out of a molehill. Maybe it but, would. But, but the point is to start to start in those places and get like one day off, then get two days off, then get three days Long off. Long weekend, weekend, a week. Yep, we, yeah, start two start weeks. start building it up. The best way to know what's going to blow up when you're not there is to not be there. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, it it's what I like to do. Even even when I'm offline, is still work. Like maybe a couple minutes a day just yeah. to check in on things because I think it, it relaxes me. And so that's sort of like step number six for us is like be present, but in what we call stealth mode. Like what's stealth mode? Stealth mode is when other people don't know that you are present. Like you want to give the impression that you are like completely unreachable. That's ideal. But you still want to be able to be like checking in on things because to me, it's very unrelaxing to not to have my business be like a black box that I can't see, right? That would be very stressful. Yeah. So instead, we just check in, we just make sure that everything's okay, and then we check out again. Yeah, I mean, and I'll tell you, 30 minutes a day, five days a week, if you've been working full-time, it's still gonna feel functionally like you're on complete vacation. Right. Because most people, if we admit it, we care about our jobs, we're invested in our careers, and so it's going to be hard to enjoy your day in Paris if you think that maybe there's something blowing up, it's best for you to just pop into your inbox, just check and see if there's anything exploding and then say, okay, no. And then you're going to be able to go to those museums in Paris and go to that cafe and feel a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. But don't make the obvious boneheaded error of replying and, and starting to get into the mix again. Because even if you tell people you're on vacation, if they start getting responses from you, they're just going to say, oh, well, he's, I, I don't know. You responded. So I guess that, that means it's like your fair game. You're making yourself fair game when you respond. So here's one of my tricks. Here's a little advanced bonus trick. If I see something and I just cannot help myself and I need to respond, yeah. what I will say is, 
Hey, uh, hi, Larry. This is Kendra, Demir's assistant. Um, Demir, I said I, I I talked to Demir today, and he told me to send you this response. Right. Right. Thank you very much, Kendra. Right. So right? You, you're yeah, you're impersonating your own assistant. <laughs> so by the way, if you email me and you ever get a response from Kendra, I'm sorry, you will probably never know whether it's actually Kendra or it's me, um, because I do do that once in a while, and it's it's a mechanism to create that distance and say, hey, reminder, Demir is still on vacation, but I'm here and I'm passing this information that, yeah. through to you. Right, 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 yep. So that, that maintains that stealth cover mode. The stealth mode. I mean, like, let me talk about what could, what could happen mm-hmm. that is probably likely to happen. And that is something really weird goes horribly wrong while you're out of the office. That's happened to us. That's happened to us, and I'll share to you, I'll show you um, how it went. Basically, we were in San Andres, which is a little island with very little Wi-Fi, by the way. And we were with our baby. And so it's not like we were working. We couldn't, you know. And what happened was like the worst nightmare, which um, our developer had something go wrong with our website. And a couple people got double billed, which as a business owner is like the worst thing. Because you don't want to like you don't want to make people think that you're trying to like like snatch more money from them. Oh, man, there's nothing worse on, in the online world than double billing somebody. And it's like, well, who are these people? Are like, are they trustworthy with my card information? It's like nothing like this has ever happened to us ever before. Yeah. But what happened was our developer had to duplicate our site to get rid of this other issue. <laughs> <laughs> and during that, like literally three minutes where both sites were like live, those people got double billed. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like what's gonna, like what are we gonna do on vacation? And I, I mean, my the thing was like our systems just sort of like rose to help us. Yeah. So first of all, my assistant flagged the issue to me like right away. She noticed that a lot of people were complaining about being double billed and she was like, Carrie, I'm seeing this on my side too. Uh, three, a lot of people meaning three. Three, whatever. But we, we tend to assume that if three people are complaining about it, there's probably twenty. Exactly, that and that's the concern. That and yeah. that's exactly the that's exactly what happened. Because I was like, okay, and she basically fixed the whole issue. Right, it was like immediately turned into offense, and we tried to figure out every single person who had been double billed, which was very easy. And we emailed all of them. We got all the money returned. And it was fine. Yeah. And it's like, that was sort of like the worst possible thing that could have happened, but it really did not interrupt our time off. And I remember when this happened because you were dealing with it like on the, like it was coming to your inbox, but I was sort of just there. Right. You know, on the side. And I remember that it really was barely a blip. I mean, it's a, it's, it's probably one of the biggest like things that's gone wrong in the last year. And it just sort of registered as a, oh God, people are getting triple billed. Double billed. And, uh, you know, or, or double billed. Oh, sorry, three <laughs> people are getting double billed. Three people got double billed, right? Oh. Um, and then you put the phone down. We were hanging out with Gigi, and you know, functionally, it was just I'm I've, I'm waiting for my team to get back to me. Yeah. Right. Then they texted you, got back to you. A couple more texts later, and basically, we knew what had happened, and the problem was solved. So, I mean, really, it all went down. Well, remember that tent we were under? Yeah. We had rented this tent on the beach, on the yeah. beach and it really happened. You know, within like the span of like two or three hours on a tent in the beach. Yeah, via my phone. It yeah. really was not a big deal. Right, right. And and the thing is, is that people will prevent themselves. This is sort of my closing argument here for many retirements. People will take a scenario like that. Well, what if something like that happens? And they'll say, well, that is proof that I cannot take a mini retirement. Exactly. Because right. something like that could happen. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, 
That's bullshit. Right. Right. You can, if you're really, really serious about, again, there's, there's an edge case of people who truly can't, but most people could. Um, and, and instead of saying, well, that proves why I can't, you should say, okay, how can I create systems? And how can I prepare in, in such a way as something like that could go wrong and it would barely be a and, blip. and also empowering your team to make decisions on your behalf. Like you don't want to get pulled into like emergency meetings and stuff while you're gone just because they want to have that safety net. So like in this case, like my assistant already knew to refund those people their money. Yeah. She was like, just so you know, they're already refunded, but I'm just alerting you because this is really weird. It's never happened before. I'm like really concerned about it. Yeah. You know, she wanted to make sure the whole problem was solved, not just the individual people. So it's like she had already emailed them. She already taken care of those people. Um, but, you know, so I really didn't even need to step in. You yeah. know, it would have it would have resolved even without my contribution. So I think enabling your team to make decisions for you logically is, is probably smart. And, and, you know, we always say, Hey, listen, we're productivity coaches, but we're not here to convince you that productivity isn't boring. It is. Productivity can be really boring, but what it creates is so exciting. And what could be more exciting than be, than being able to take a mini retirement and yeah. go to Paris? I mean, I, and, and this is like my plea. This is my call. Like, <laughs> sending it out to you people. Like, at the end of the day, doing big things, audacious things, living a life that nobody else gets to live means having the systems that nobody else has yep you know and and yeah, i just i just implore you like get bold take those chances get committed but then also follow up behind it and build the systems carrie your final thoughts on mini retirements and building systems yeah i mean i think it's i think it's it's really exciting because it almost feels like selfish like oh like but could i i mean i don't know if i deserve that but it's actually one of the best things you could do mm. for your business because it's going to help your business thrive without you, which means it can also grow without you, which means it's going to be much easier to grow and maintain. It's like you don't want to be the cog inside the business. And this is a great way to just sort of help you think about how to create those systems. So that's it for today. Gang, ironically, I think what Carrie's saying is not only would your business be not be worse off for you taking I'm in retirement. It's actually going to be way better off. Yeah. Think about that. Let that blow your mind. All right. That's it for today. Thank you so much for sticking in there with us. Uh, we love this topic. Why don't we dream a little together? Uh, hit us up in the comments and let us know uh, if you were going to take a mini retirement, what would it look like? And would where you, would you go? Exactly. Would you stay at home and do a hobby that you've always wanted to do? Would you travel to a beautiful place? Let us know in the comments below. We want to hear about your mini retirement dreams. And if you have any questions uh, or objections around what we said, like get after us, man. Let's have a, a robust conversation in the comments. Um, again, if you're interested in more about what we do, check us out at lifehackmethod.com and we'll see you guys in the next podcast. <laughs>